It's January 22nd, and this is the Cream City Pacers Weekly Rundown. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Alex Main, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Apostoli Everniatis. We are here to bring you inspiring stories and talk to the Pacers who are making an impact, whether that's professional athletes, political figures, CEOs, authors, and running leaders, especially authors in today's case. Apostoli, how are you, my man? Good to see What's you. What's up, Alex? I'm great. I'm on a seven-day running streak. But I know I'm not catching up to you. What are you at right now? Seven days? Dude, let's go. That's because I called you out for not getting any winter running points for us, and now you're just freaking hot, hot, hot. I am on day 35. 35. How does it feel? Three miles minimum, right? Yeah, so talk about like up and down weeks. I did a 10-miler on Saturday at like a pretty quick pace, like the quickest pace I've ran 10 miles since training for the Lakefront Marathon last year, which is like, I was really stoked about. And then like, I somehow like slightly rolled my ankle. Like it's not, you can't see it, but it feels a little bit like I rolled it. So I have a feeling, I I don't, I don't know. I woke up one morning on like Monday and it felt that way. So my guess is it was snowy Saturday, Sunday. It was a little icy, right? It was that ice with a little layer of snow over it that I slipped a little bit. And I think I just tweaked it and didn't notice till like the next morning. Um, so every day this week, it's just been three miles. It's just like, okay, got to get three miles, get back in the house, do some do some recovery. But And I was like a little upset yesterday on my run. And then when I went on my run today, I was like, hey, dude, that is fine. You are not going to have... Uh, a great week every week in my mind, but I'm still keeping the streak going and I'm healthy with a little bit of a setback. So I appreciated everything I had and uh, hopefully I can get a long run in this weekend. (laughs) Uh, By the way, it's crazy. When you do three miles a day, that is 21 miles and then you do a 10 miler and just like that, you're up in 28 miles. That's that's insane. That's, That's a very big distance to cover if you're not training for a marathon or half marathon or whatever but i I gotta ask you 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 get a lot um there are many times that you roll your ankle what's up with that dude i got bad i got bad ankles and like listen to this it was like a post high school thing too like i rolled my ankle once in high school but i was playing football so like we had a really good um medical staff, whatever you call them, athletic trainer, and like got me back in the game and like did all the right things. And then like I would play like pickup basketball (laughs) post-college, like roll my ankle all the time. And I just had bad ankles. It's a fault in me. Every day I should probably wake up and like commit to it for like a year and my ankles would probably be strong, but I guess I got weak little ankles. Don't they have those braces you can put on so you can't roll it? Those things suck for running. I tried it. There's probably something more slim that I have. I have like the basketball ones, which like you tie and stuff, but there's probably better things out there. If you have any recommendations for my ankles, what to do, how to heal them, make them stronger, shoot me a DM, please. But hey, so listen to this, so streak. So my cousin is on a streak right now where every other day he's running five miles. 
So on my run today, I was thinking, what's more impressive, running five miles every other day or running three miles every day? Three miles every day, hands down. Sorry, cousin. Come on, dude. It's two and a half miles average a day. Yeah, I know. But like it's five miles a day, like five miles. Like you got to commit to that. I I was on my run today and I was like, I don't know five miles seem more impressive. It's only a mile shorter in a given week though. Like it's every other day. So your first week we would have four runs and then, you know, it doesn't work out perfectly after that, but recovery is a big thing. Uh, Recovery, even 24, 36 hours recovery is, it does wonders. And you know that. So I think the fact that you're not letting your body recover from these consistent 5Ks is tougher on you. I am the toughest man. All right, anyways. You're the toughest cousin. Speaking of toughness, today's guest, Brian Frayne, knows a thing or two about toughness. Last year, he ran 20 marathons, having the cool title of 20 marathons in 2020. But speaking of tough people... He is also well known for his amazing wife, Annie Weiss, who set the record that is the fastest known time on the Ice Age Trail right here in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, which is 1,200 miles long. And she did it in 21 days. Can you imagine? So Brian helped crew Annie through the entire journey when he wrote a book about it. So we're going to dive in on that. If you haven't read his book, it's called See You at the Terminus, Breaking Barriers and Testing Limits on the Ice Age Trail. You can get a copy on Amazon. And also, Brian told me before the show that if you want a signed copy from Annie, uh, shoot him an email, follow him on Instagram, and uh, he'll send you a copy with Annie's signature in it, which is uh, super dope. So I would definitely take him up on that if you would like a copy. And, uh, dude, just incredible. We had Annie as a past guest on the show. She was one of our first, like, I think she was guest number 12. And we talked about her journey, and it was just incredible to hear it from her, you know, firsthand and what she went through. And it's even more incredible to read Brian's book and hear it through his eyes and what he went through, crewing with her and telling stories that maybe Annie wouldn't necessarily tell. And, man, it's an incredible book. It's super powerful. I was laughing. I was crying. I was inspired. I want to get to the bottom of a few stories that really had me just super motivated. The running community is amazing. Everyone who helped support Andy was great. And uh, Brian, the book is incredible. So super excited to bring Brian on the show here in a second. But first, let's have a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Performance Running Outfitters. Pro is our go-to running store with five locations in the greater Milwaukee area. They have everything you need from shoes, running gear, running accessories, recovery items they have it all and owner jess hepner joins us right now to talk about the two latest shoes they have in store the nike infinity react 2 and the brooks launch 8 gts jess these shoes look super sweet give us a little bit of a rundown on these new shoes you have yeah these are super awesome updates so i run in both of these shoes i love i love alternating between them two um so the first one that i'm really excited about is the infinity react 2 um they had the first version i loved and i didn't think they could make it any better but they did so what they did was they locked down the heel a little bit and they put additional support um throughout the toe box so it doesn't feel as sloppy 
And if you haven't tried it on, it's got this rocker technology. A lot of people know that technology through Hoka, um, but they found that it just creates a super smooth transition. It's cushioned, but responsive. And they actually did a study on it. And the participants who wore that shoe versus a different shoe had a 52% lower injury rate. So pretty cool. Well, that's a pretty hot stat right there. I didn't even know that was a thing, but I enjoyed it. I, I'll say this. I had the the first Reacts, and I actually have two pairs that I just casually wear because I think, A, they look super stylish, so they're like my casual shoe. But the best part is if I need to run, I can also run in them. So I love these, and I'm excited to uh, get a pair of these uh, React 2s. So give us the rundown yeah, on these. Awesome. Give us a rundown on these Brooks Launch 8. So... They always had a shoe called the Launch, and then they also had a shoe called the Ravenna. And what they're doing is they are basically creating a neutral shoe and a stability shoe that are exactly the same feel, but then the stability shoe has just additional support up along like the heel and through a little bit through the arch. And so they have a shoe called the Launch, which they already had. It's going to be the Launch 8, and then a new shoe called the Launch GTS 8 and GTS is their go-to shoe, um, but it was formerly called the Ravenna. And so this shoe is a hundred bucks. It's lightweight, it's snappy, but it still has some cush. So I really like it. This sounds incredible. I didn't realize the kind of merging of the shoes here, but a hundred dollars for a pair of decent shoes these days uh, seems totally out of the ordinary. So I'm going to have to pick up a pair of these as well. Same here. You, you know I'm a zero-drop guy, but I'm very tempted to go back to Nikes. I uh, always have a slight infatuation for the style, too. And if it, if it works as well, hmm. I'm almost sold, Jess. But you, you do can, have ultras, too. We do. I mean, you can always alternate, which is awesome because it gives your muscles a chance to work differently. So it makes you a stronger runner. I've actually incorporated that in the last year. I've had different types of shoes brands but also different drops and whatnot to keep me on my toes because i've heard that is good for you so you just reiterated that so i'm proud of my decision so jess thanks for giving us the rundown on that if you want to score a pair of these new shoes today you can head over to you can head over to performancerunning.com and use code ccp10 at checkout to get 10 percent off your entire order or you can head over to one of their five locations in the greater milwaukee area and scoop up a pair of these shoes and grab some other things while you're there today we are joined by brian frayne the author of see you at the terminus and most recently the man who ran 20 marathons in 2020. What an accomplishment. Brian, welcome to the Cream City Pacers podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I feel like I, I, so I just read through your book before this podcast, You at the Terminus, and I feel like I've been like talking, like you secretly have been just like talking to me for like a week now, and now it's like you're actually in front of me, and it's just like kind of tripping me out. So you're like a, a little celebrity here in front of me, so I love it, but... I want to get to the book, but I want to talk about these 20 marathons in 2020. So um, I've been following you for a while, and I saw earlier in the year, I I assume you probably had some different running goals for the year. Uh, (laughs) And then with COVID and everything hitting, you know, everything kind of got put on pause. So you came up with this new goal of you're going to run 20 marathons in 2020, which is 
kind of incredible when you think about it. You're <laughs> like, that is, it's it, like some people might say it's not a lot, but if you really think about it, like you, that is a lot of marathons. Like you don't have much time off between them. So where did that idea come from? So this actually, I, I got the idea God, probably two years ago. Um, and I was listening to, I, I, at this point, I couldn't even tell you which podcast it was, uh, but it was a running podcast and the, the person who was being interviewed just casually threw out that like, oh yeah, you know, and then, uh, I ran the Sacramento marathon and that was the last one that I needed to run all of the marathons in California, uh, you know, which I'd been working on for like five or six years. And that was one of those things that kind of like planted that seed of, I wonder, you know, you start thinking like, I wonder how many marathons there are in Wisconsin. Obviously in California, there's like hundreds of them, right? So it's <laughs> not something that you could feasibly do. Um, and so I went into 2019, you know, I went on, uh, you know, different websites or whatever. And I figured out that there were, uh, I think at the time there were like 21 or 22 uh, marathons, like, uh, you know, official marathons in the state of Wisconsin in 2019. And so I thought, all right, well, you know, I looked at the schedule and, and there was like there was one Saturday in May where there was like two on the same day. And there were a couple of other weekends where there was like a Saturday, Sunday. But for the most part, they really kind of like were a little bit spaced out and everything else. And so I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to go for this. Like, but I think I could do all of this in a year. I, you know, would have to like maybe try and do like a virtual type one where if there's two on the same day or whatever, like start early or whatever, you know, I figured I could get through all of that. And then right after I had that plan, uh, Annie got, uh, accepted into the Badwater 135 and that like the, the timing of that took like two of the marathons out. And then there was another race that, uh, that she got into that was in Europe. And so that was like, two other ones. And so then it's like, all right, well, whatever. And you just kind of, you know, put it on the back burner a little bit. And then as we got through 2019, you know, I was still kind of stuck on that idea. And then it's like, all right, we're getting towards the end of the year. And I was looking at the calendar again, and there were actually 20 marathons that were scheduled for the state of Wisconsin for 2020. And I'm like, I'm big on like, stupid like little gimmicky things like that so like the 20 and 2020 i was like all right this this has got to happen you know so we're gonna make this work um so i started i signed up for like probably the first six or seven on the calendar basically starting like mid-april into the beginning of june um you know like before price increases and all that kind of stuff and uh yeah then like you said uh middle of march i was about you know what three four weeks before the mill the milwaukee marathon which was the first one and then COVID hit and then everything changed <laughs> so that i didn't realize 20 marathons in wisconsin that doesn't seem that doesn't seem like a lot is that a lot like you tell me what your thoughts are when you first initially saw that i mean i guess to me you know you do the math on it and obviously like there's nothing really uh, well, and I guess I should back up uh, half a step. Um, I was looking at specifically at road marathons. So I okay. wasn't like factoring in any of the trail stuff or anything like that. Um, because if you put those into play, then it becomes much more, mm. you know, Saturday, Sunday, you know, all that kind of stuff. But really, you know, it it worked out to being 
usually uh, like three out of four weekends um, there was at least one race because you you know, there's nothing in January, nothing in February, nothing in March. You had a couple in April, uh, you know, like July and August were like kind of a slow time. And then May there was, I think four or five. And then September there were, I think four as well. Um, so yeah, it basically ended up that I was doing three out of four weekends. I would, I would do a marathon. Um, but really, I mean, it was just, it, it was an excuse to do something fun, but it was also like, you know, there's like the, the Ashland marathon that's like way up in the Northern, you know, like the Northern part of the state. Like I'm never going to go to Ashland without some kind of a reason to go, you know? So like there's the, the, like a marathon in Wapaka, right? Like who the hell goes to Wapaka? Like no offense (laughs) to anybody that's from Wapaka, but like, that's not on people's list most of the time, you know? So it was an excuse to like go and see different places. And I mean, I've lived in Wisconsin most of my life, but I haven't seen a lot of the state as far as these kind of out of the way places. Um, so yeah, really it was just, I mean, that's generally how both Annie and I operate is we look for excuses to go different places and try different things. And this was, I mean, that's ultimately that's what this was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been pretty sweet, especially like on a local level, like obviously yeah. destination marathons are great when you can travel outside the state, but like exactly who's going to go up to Wausau and run the Wausau marathon unless right. you're from the area. So it'd be, it right, exactly. actually would be like kind of fun to, to check that out. So obviously none of those races happened. So how are you feeling when you realize you still wanted to do this, but everything would probably be more self-supported? Well, it, you know, Ed, obviously you like, again, like I think most of, most of us, right. We, you know, the, the April races get canceled, the early May races get canceled and it's like, all right, well, you know, I'm sure by the end of summer, everything will be back to normal. And obviously that certainly was not the case. Um, and so, you know, those first couple, I just, like you said, just did on my own and, you know, went out and, and I, I don't know, I did a couple of them on the bug line trail out, uh, between, uh, Menominee Falls and, uh, and Pewaukee. That was like where I, when I first started running, that was where I used to do my long runs. And so I had kind of like a little affinity to that trail and, and it's easy and it's flat, you know? So it's like, if I'm going to do a marathon by myself with nobody around, like I'm going to not make it terribly difficult on myself. Um, and yeah, then like you said, it, it it just became more and more evident that like none of these races were going to happen this year. Um, and so after probably my third or fourth one, I really had kind of like a, a mindset change where it became much less about like, you know, I wanted to like, I, did, I, did, I never had any time goals when I was going to do all of these races. But like, if I'm going to go out and just do a marathon, it's like, well, you know, God, I should be at least like three and a half to 345, you know, something like that. Like, I'm not going to like, just, you know, joke my way through these, right? I should at least do something with it. And it was my third or fourth one. Uh, a friend of mine actually wanted to, to come out and run with me. And so we were running together. And I was, you know, was talking about how I kind of wanted to keep these things going. And he's like, dude, why do you think anybody gives a shit how fast you run these races? Like whether they take three hours or five hours or six hours, like who cares? Like, it's not like any, you know, like you're not qualifying for Boston and like nobody's paying attention to how fast you're running these things. Why don't you just do it and have fun? And and it was one of those things where it's like, you know, that's the case, but like to have somebody say it so directly and so bluntly, it was like, yeah, you're, you're right. And so then at that point, then it became like, all right, uh, instead of doing all of them on the road, like 
let's go and run some on the trails. Let's go and run with people that I don't normally run with. Like, let's make these, let's have some fun with it. And so it really did become like just, you know, Saturday, we're going to go out and we're going to run 26 miles. And if it takes four hours, if it takes six hours, who cares? Like, we're just going to have fun and, and hang out. And, and, and that's really what it turned into. So um, certainly not how I intended it, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. That is so this theme of fun has been coming up this year on this podcast uh past guests uh last week we had tina jones executive director yeah. from uh girls on the run talked a lot about making running fun right mm-hmm. bill hutchinson if you know bill he oh, yeah. talks about how running every day you know could get boring but when you have fun and you go explore different parts of the city it makes you want to do it and you brought it up again just now about <laughs> making it fun and it really it it just it's just such a change when like when your friend said that to you I could just tell in your tone talking to me how it just like became more fun like you want to go out there everyone wants to yeah. and it's not like we got to hit this time we got to be here let's feel right like let's feel and make sure it's all like let's just go out and have a good time and it was evident too um, from your Strava and like your Instagram like you had you guys had a lot of good times from the photos we were seeing so where most of them seem like they were in the area here. Uh, what was like kind of when, like, what were you like? Okay, so for like eight, for number 10, let's do it on the trails or let's hit the ice age or let's do roads. Did you kind of have that all planned or did you just kind of like make it up as you were going here? Yeah, it was totally just winging it um, after the first couple. Um, one, of the th- one of the mistakes I made early on with those bug line runs, um, you know, you forget that like, even, you know, I've done ultras and I've done, you know, long trail runs and stuff like that. But like to do a marathon requires like water and fuel and stuff like that. And even in like the, you know, like my ultra pack and stuff like that, it wasn't enough to do a full marathon without some kind of a stop. And so like the first, uh, the first two that I did, like, it was just park the car at the start of the bug line in Menominee Falls and run 13.1 out and 13.1 back, you know, and it was, it was cool enough, like, cause this was still in April and, you know, like it wasn't that bad, but as it started to get warmer, it's like, this isn't going to work. So I started looking at different routes, uh, where I, you know, every six to seven miles I would be back at my car, um, so that I didn't have to carry as much stuff on me. And so, you know, I did a couple actually just from my house, like if, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody to run with or whatever. And so I would just, we live in a condo, so I would throw stuff up on the sidewalk and just, you know, kind of leave a little pile of, you know, water and snacks and stuff like that. And I'd run six miles north and, you know, whatever, just uh, picking routes. But um, yeah, whenever we did trails, it was always like, where can we go to, uh, you know, put together a route that we're going to go about six out and six back and then hit the car and then another, you know, six and a half out, six and a half back, uh, to get the full distance. Mm-hmm. Super fun. What, yeah. which, uh, one of the 20 was your favorite? Um, the, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty cliche to say that the last one, uh, was my favorite, but, um, you know, again, like you, when, when I had this, this plan, you know, you think about like doing these races and getting like the typical post marathon experience with the medals and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there, there was none of that, obviously. Um, but I had a a bunch of different people who had run either multiple marathons with me or had done parts of them. 
Um, we all met out at Lapham Peak and, you know, some people ran a chunk, some people ran the whole thing. And then like Annie was waiting there at the end and she had like a big box of cupcakes and we went out and had, uh, like brunch afterwards and all that kind of stuff. So it was, I mean, that one was for sure, like the most fun, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because that, that was really the only one where it was sort of similar to that post-marathon experience where like you finish and, you know, you just have some fun afterwards versus just throwing all your crap in the backseat of the car and driving home and taking a shower, you know, <laughs> a little anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The virtual world, you know, with these races or whatever is totally different. Um, but it was, that's cool that like you had everyone show up and mm-hmm. you had some yeah. cakes afterwards. Yeah. I would say I was lucky enough. So I did the like virtual lakefront marathon last yeah. fall. And there was a few of us, we live or, we live over by, in Whitefish Bay by Esterbrook Park. Mm, so mm-hmm. my wife ran the weekend before and figured out this like 6.6 mile loop down the trail and through the park. It's kind of like the same route of like the Strider half. Like yeah. it was like you loop through the park, you yep. go down a little bit. Anyways, um, so a few of us ran it and it was like great because like our friends would come out, like family was there and like everyone was there kind of there just for you. So it was like kind of special. So I feel like yeah. I understand where you were and it's like, it's kind of fun. Like, yeah, it's not a race, but that's kind of cool. You got to end it that way with a few people and made it, made it special. So uh, <laughs> it's still crazy to me. <laughs> 20 marathons, this is like a lot. I can't really fathom that and I haven't been able to. I thought before the interview, I'd be like, okay, Alex, just like make it sound like, yeah, that's it. And it's like, it's still blowing my mind. So how was it throughout the year, like keeping your body ready to go for these? Because like 26.2 miles isn't a joke if you have to do it 20 times. Yeah. Um, so the, the first thing I would say, and it is, uh, I, I think it is very important, is that there's a huge difference between running 26.2 miles and racing 26.2 miles. Valid. So if, if, if I had gone into this with a goal of like, you know, we're going to do all these in 315 or, you know, we're going to try and, and, you know, and really push the limits. I don't think there's any way in hell I would have been able to, to stay healthy through it. Um, so I think that's very important, but I, the other thing, and I know you both will appreciate this. Um, it's super important to have a good coach, um, and I have for years been working with, without a doubt, the best marathon coach that somebody can work with in Matt Thull from Thunderdome Running. Oh, Whoa. let's go. <laughs> Matt, shout out to Matt. Dude, that's yeah. awesome. So you've been with Matt for a while? Yeah. So when I, I first got into running in like 2014 and, um, I, you know, did like this, this, the standard, like, you know, did the Brewers 5k and like, oh, this is fun. And then I did, I don't know how long you guys have been in the running world, but if you ever did like the GLM winter running series and stuff like that back in the day, um, you know, so you did do some 5ks and then it's just, of course, half marathon and all that kind of stuff. And once I kind of had the idea that, um, you know, like I'm going to stick with this and I, you know, I want to do more than a half marathon, um, you know, just Googled one day, like Milwaukee running coaches. Cause somebody had suggested like, Hey, you know, you should probably get a coach. Like if you're going to keep doing all this running and Matt popped up and yeah, I've been with him pretty much ever since. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, he, he was very, uh, against the idea, um, because uh, you know, for for you for you guys that that know Matt, you know Matt is really really good at making sure his runners stay healthy mm-hmm. uh, by not killing them with too much work and too much volume and all that kind of stuff. And he was he was concerned about the volume, 
Um, but he also, again, you know, we have that relationship where it's like, he knows that if things are going sideways, I'm going to tell him and he's going to be able to adjust. And there wasn't really much of a, of a chance that like I was going to end up in a walking boot by the end of the year. Um, and I totally put my faith in Matt to, to put that plan together. And, and he, uh, he put his faith in me to do it right. And, and here we are. So, um, so it, there's a lot we can relate to here. First of all, we, both, <laughs> we all trained with uh, Matt Tull. Yep. And uh, yeah, Matt also has a problem with uh, my volume all the time. He's always trying to, you know, make sure that I run more. Uh, I, I just don't run enough. Uh, most times I just, uh, I just fall, it, it fails. But how, how was that? How was, because you are a coach yourself. And I don't know if we brought this up in the conversation so far, but uh, you, you are a coach. Uh, obviously, you, you help Annie, and we'll get into that. But uh, I'm on a yep. website right now. It's uh, trailrun.coach. It says Coach Brian. So how was it, um, how was it mm-hmm. to train under somebody else? Obviously, you can't coach yourself. But you know, were there differences in the style of approach that – uh, would you would you bypass because the coach you you need to do when you have a coach you have to listen to your coach yeah hundred percent but being a coach how was that uh, did you find any conflicts at times or no I mean other than I, the uh, <laughs> sorry uh, I am smart enough to know that um, you know Matt has forgotten more about coaching than I'll ever know. Um, and, and so I, you know, he has taught me a lot about how to, to coach and, and things to do and things to look for and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there is, there's no way that like he would ever give me a workout and then I would look at it and say, eh, I'm not sure about that. You know what I mean? Like that is, that's not how I roll, especially not with Matt, because like that guy knows so much about what it takes to be a successful runner and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, I, the, my, the coaching that I do is small potatoes compared to what he does. Um, and I've, I've learned so much from him. Um, but even like, even through all this, I learned so much from him about, you know, you've got somebody that's doing something big like this, you dial back the volume, you make changes, you, you know, lay out the weeks differently and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, there, there's no way that I would, that I would question Matt and, and any of the stuff that he gives me. Um, he's too smart. <laughs> <laughs> that, so did you have any injuries during the year? Nope. That's incredible. Nope. That's incredible. Matt's <laughs> got to be proud of that. Yeah. He's got to be very proud of that. Good for him. Good for you. That's, that's incredible. So what were your weeks like? Were you, um, like what, what is training? Like, are you still kind of following a marathon plan or, or not? Well, <laughs> yeah, give us an so, inside look at this. <laughs> so, um, I did, so I actually did 21 marathons last year because I did the, the Disney race series in January. Um, and so I was like fully trained up for that. And then I took a couple of weeks off after that, and then we started, you know, kind of building for the marathon. And really what it came down to was um, instead of running six days a week like I normally do with him, um, it was generally five days a week. And if we were on like 
that, you know, the third weekend in a row with a marathon, then it would be like four days a week. Um, he still had, you know, there was still like one hard workout every week to keep the legs fresh and, and all that kind of stuff. But really it just became, you know, a lot of the, like the Tuesday eight miler became a six miler and the Wednesday, you know, eight miler was a five mile, you know, like it's that sort of thing. So he really just dialed the work back. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, we just kind of worked on making sure that I, I, I took it easy. If I ran on Saturday, it was like, we're not doing anything on Sunday and we're not doing anything on Monday. And then we start up again on Tuesday. Um, so for what I'm training for now, um, I'd actually signed up for uh, this event in Oklahoma. It's called the Mid-South Double. Um, So you run a 50K on Friday and then bike 100 miles on Saturday. And so I've been working with uh, Matt for the running and then a a bike coach because I've never done any biking at all in my life as far as like cycling or any of that kind of stuff. Um, And so... um, yeah, so we've been working on that where it's kind of run in the morning and then bike in the afternoon. It's a little bit, I would assume, probably what like an Ironman type training plan is. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just really kind of, I have to keep very good track of what runs I'm doing and let the bike coach know and then mm-hmm. let the bike coach know what, or let Matt know what bike workouts I'm doing so that we don't like kill me. Um, but actually, I just found out this morning that that event uh, got moved to be uh, virtual as well. So now I'm kind of in this weird, like, am I going to do this on my own? Which I mean, I'm sure I probably will, because why would I not? But <laughs> you know, like, it's kind of a bummer, too. So like, it's very fresh right now of like, mm-hmm. ah, crap. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's enough like you've been training, but also like, well, do I do it? But you got right. it. We'll come support you. The 100-mile bike, I can't even comprehend that. Biking, like 10 miles on the bike <laughs> is like too much for me. Like I can't walk for two <laughs> days after that. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't do anything but run for a reason. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's amazing when you, you know, like when you hop on a bike for a while and you discover that you have like these muscles in the back of your legs called hamstrings <laughs> that get engaged when you bike that you don't really use much when you run, or at least I don't use mine much when I run. <laughs> so it's like all of a sudden, like where the hell did that muscle come from? <laughs> That's so funny. That's like, you know, like supposed to do strength training i tried to do that more this year but i would say like this first week in january i did like a like a 30 minute peloton like strength training class i was dead i was just dead i'm like (laughs) it's just funny like you can run a marathon a month earlier two months earlier but then you know you do something like that and you're just (laughs) trash like 20 pound bicep curls and you can't lift your arms for three days (laughs) like what Oh, that's funny. I haven't done yeah. a curl curls for the girls in a while, so I don't even yeah. know how that feels. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> so at the beginning of the podcast, you were talking about the marathons that were in different parts of the state and exploring yeah. that. And you are one person who is familiar with that as you crewed Annie on her fastest known time on the Ice Age Trail back in 2018, which yes. was incredible. And everyone who followed along with Annie or knew about that. It was incredible. The fact that you were like posting about it. There's so many people followed you and so many people to this day talk about that, which is pretty cool. But you wrote a book about it called See You at the Terminus, Breaking Barriers and Testing Limits of the Ice Age Trail, which you can purchase on Amazon. So you guys should go out and read that and purchase it and support Brian if you haven't. It's a great read. Um, And like I was saying, I just went through it again. And it's so fun. It's A, it's crazy 
what Annie did, like <laughs> yeah. covering 1,200 miles in, you know, 20, I'm going to screw it up, but 22 days, right? Uh, 21, uh, 18. Days, yep. 18 is, in, is insane. And it really becomes insane when you start like, you know, it's really, the beginning of the book was great. It's like great. Cause like it, it's fresh and you guys are doing it. Yeah. And then you like, it really started to hit home when you guys started to get to the Southern kettles where it's like, holy cow, not only did she put on all these miles, but she's like, cranking out 50 miles a day back to back yep. and it was just like it, it, inc- incredible so annie kudos to you for that still i'll <laughs> I, I get the chills thinking about it but i i guess i'm trying to figure out what to start because there's so many things but it was like looking back on it it's still an amazing feat like it's it's, yeah. it's absolutely incredible but the one cool thing that stuck out to me that i wanted to start with is you had to navigate this entire state. Like, so the Ice Age Trail is 1,200 miles long. I think you yep. ended up driving like almost 4,000 miles during yep. the time, which is incredible <laughs> because you're like, someone ran with Annie's, but they ran 50 miles and now you got to drive that person back to their car and then uh, you got to go yep. get something to eat and you got to go to the hotel, right? It's just crazy. But you you did a lot of research because you had to plan this all out. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Did that take a long time to like learn all these segments of the Ice Age Trail and everything, or were you like pretty familiar with it from being a runner and being in Wisconsin? Yeah. So you know we uh, and I, I I mentioned it somewhat briefly in the book, but Annie, you know, we attempted it in 2017. And she made it about 400 miles in eight days. And then she, um, you know, we we ignored, I guess, a lot of advice that various people uh, tried to send her way about, like, we we were too early in the year. So, like, the northern part of the trail was still very underwater. And she got, like, a bad infection from, like, being in standing water for 12 hours a day for a week and, and stuff like that. Um, and we one of the mistakes that we made in 2017 was... We assumed that the whole Ice Age Trail is like the Ice Age Trail in the Milwaukee area, (laughs) you know, like where it's Lapham and it's the Kettles and stuff like that, where there's, you know, 2,500 volunteers that will go out and, you know, the second a tree falls, there's 15 people there to move it out of the way and all that kind of stuff. And so when we got up there and, you know, the first day you're kind of like in that St. Croix Falls area and it's, it's fairly easy. And then by like the second and third day, you know, all of a sudden you're like, you are in it, you know, and there's nobody around and there's no, you know, you can't find the trail and like, you don't have cell service and all that kind of stuff. And so I've, I've, I took a lot of responsibility for the fact that her first attempt didn't go well, whether that was right or wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. that's another story, but I felt like I had not held up my end of the deal uh, by having a good solid plan as far as how we were going to do this every day. And it was even like as simple as, you know, we pick a spot to end and then you get in the car and realize that you're 90 minutes from the nearest hotel, you know, so that's 90 minutes that you lose at night. And then that's 90 minutes that you lose in the morning. And that's all time that could be set for, you know, her to recover and to get prepared and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when, when we decided, you know, she decided that she was going to do it again in 2018, I did sit down and I spent probably, you know, God, I don't know, probably 20, 25 hours with a big spreadsheet of like, this is how much we're going to do in a day. And if you finish and it's 4.30 in the afternoon, that's okay. Because when you finish, we're going to be 15 minutes from a hotel. And then that's going to be a day where you can get like a long recovery. And if you run 10 more miles, 
because of where you're going to end, now we're an hour and a half from a hotel again. So like it was very strategic with like, this is where you're going to start and this is where you're going to stop. And then once we get back in the Milwaukee area, then it becomes a little less rigid because there's so much more civilization. You know, it's not as big of a deal. You know, if you run to Heartland or Delafield, well, one way or another, you're still, you know, five minutes from anywhere you need to be. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time planning out how much I thought she could do in a day and where we would end and and making sure that we had a good solid plan for we're not going to be far away from anything at the end of the day. Um, and I, I think that really worked and it, it, it paid off in, again, you had a few of those, you know, there was a day where she ended at five o'clock, we were over by Portage and, you know, it became like, well, God, should I keep going? And it's like, if you keep going now, we're into like the devil's lake area and that's, there's no access. You've got to do like the whole 13 miles to get into devil's lake and through devil's lake. And then it's going to be 1130 at night and now we're at Devil's Lake. You know, like it's just – it's not going to work. And if we were, you know, car camping or like tent camping type people, like maybe that would have made a difference. But I think one of the main reasons she was able to do 50 miles a day for three weeks is because – we were, you know, every night she got to take a shower, she got to lay down in a bed, she got to put her feet up, she got to relax, hit a hot tub, you know, like just let her muscles loosen up. I think that made a huge, huge difference um, and allowed her to just keep going. Um, so yeah, it, there was a there was a lot of planning, but it was also like day to day outside of where we were going to end. I was using the the Ice Age Trail app, um, and, which works, you know, whether you have cell service or not. And just basically it was like, okay, she's starting to run and now I am like zooming in and zooming in and zooming in to find like the tiniest little dirt road and like, okay, I can go there. And, you know, it's nice because you have the time, right? Because on a trail, it's going to take her, you know, an hour to go five, five and a half miles. And so I've got time to figure this stuff out, you know, from stop to stop because I'm not going to see her for a couple of hours. So uh, it was a little bit of both, I guess. Nice. I mean, kudos. That was, it's incredible. (laughs) you know, to, to be able to do that and coordinate that so it all goes smoothly. And uh, the crazy thing is, is you think the Ice Age Trail and if you're in Milwaukee or you think the trail, right? That's yeah. trail. But 500 miles of it is road, which like yep. blew my mind when we first had Annie on the <laughs> podcast and found that yeah. out. And then I started to think about it. It's like, oh, yeah, like I just park at a trailhead and then go walk a mile at Pike Lake and explore the beautiful trail and then go back to the parking lot. And you're like, oh, man, the Ice Age Trail is incredible. But to get from one segment to the other segment, like sometimes it's a 25-mile road connector is is the route. And you're like, once you kind of see it that way, it like blows – it blew my mind how much of it was road. And like that's a that takes a lot. That takes a lot as well as the trails do. So it really literally keeps you on your toes because you don't know what you're going to experience from day to day. Yeah. And it it really became like – after the first week or so, it was like she would have 20, 25, 30 miles of trail and she would start looking forward to the road because, you know, she could move faster and it's, you know, less thinking and less, you know, hassle and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then after, you know, 20, 25 miles on the road, it's like, oh God, I just want to get off the pavement and get back on the trail. So it just becomes kind of the, you know, the grass is always greener type situation. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like good because like if I guess if you're doing just trails or just road, it can get pretty monotonous, but um, the two things 
that I really want to talk about that I don't know if it interests anyone, but the hot tub recovery sounds mm-hmm. incredible. The ha- yes. Uh, <laughs> that gets brought up throughout the book a ton, and I'm a big hot tub fan. I love hot tubs. So I would just think, like, the recovery is pretty intense for her every night, but, like, that's, mm-hmm. like, pretty awesome that she was able to – that she was able to do that and kind of just like relax every night in a bed that would have to be huge. Yeah. And that, that was one of her requests after 2017, because we had had a couple of hotels in 2017 that she did have hot tubs. And I, you know, I think most of the time you think of recovery and you think of like ice bath and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that works for a lot of people, but she discovered once upon a time that like the hot water is what works best for her recovery. Um, and so that was like when I was looking at hotels and we're looking at, you know, where we're going to go, if it didn't have a hot tub, then, you know, it was off the list. We had to find someplace else. <laughs> That's, that sounds like my type of vacation. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Hike all day and hang out in the hot tub at night. I'm not going right. to complain about that. And then the, you, that's, uh, that's spoken like somebody who's never stayed at a hotel in northern, or rather a motel in northern Wisconsin. Let me, let me, <laughs> we weren't let exactly me, at the Ritz. <laughs> let me go to a side note here. So my mom's family lives in Merrill, which I think you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Ice Age. That was like and, one of the bases. Oh, yeah. So so the Super 8 Motel, which is still uh-huh. there, but across the street is like, I'm going to butcher the name, like an American Eagle or American uh-huh. Motel. Yeah. We grew up, when we got to go up there and stay at the Super 8, there was a pool and hot tub, and I lived <laughs> for that. And when I found out that a new hotel was going across the street that had a new pool and hot tub, uh-huh. I was more excited to go up there than ever. But <laughs> yeah, I've been up to those hotels up there, so I know it's not the Ritz, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it makes do. Also, the free continental breakfast. Um I'm sure oh, yeah. it was helpful for you. I mean, and for Annie, for how much food and fuel she has to consume yeah. throughout the day, throughout three weeks, it's uh, pretty incredible. So I, I assume yeah. that was a fun way to kick off every day as well. Just kind of mowing down <laughs> whatever you wanted to. It, it was. And, and I mean, I, I reference this in the book towards the end. She actually like she got sick of eating. And That's so when you, you know, you think about like sitting down in the morning with like three bowls of cinnamon toast crunch and two English muffins and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And like on the surface, you think like, yeah, that'd be awesome, you know, because who does that? But by the time you're at like day 17, 18, 19, it's just like she was so sick of like the actual physical motion of eating because she just, you know, all day, that's all she could do is just, you know, keep putting fuel in. And uh, yeah, by the end, it was like even, you know, things like the cinnamon toast crunch and stuff like that. I, she was just like, I don't even want any of this. Ugh, that, I mean, that makes sense. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Brutal. But yeah, you got to be eating all the time. And you, yeah. you know, if you, in the book, you, all, you that's what you're there for every four or five miles. You're there refueling. And it's <laughs> it's. Uh, Speaking of refueling, it was funny when, you know, you, you really explained well when Annie was having a bad a bad day or a bad time, which I think was, was really great. At first I was like, oh, okay, like may, maybe we don't need to know if Annie was having a bad time, right? Like that was too personal. But like it really opened up and like made her human and made you understand like, yeah, if you're going to do something like this, whether it's the Ice Age Trail or you're going to train for a marathon, like you're going to hit lows and to get through it, yeah. like you, it's going to have to happen. But it was so many times when she hit those, you're like, okay, she just needs more food. She needs more food and then like yep. you would say like in a flip of the switch the blood hits the uh the sugar hits the bloodstream and you're back to you know you're back yeah. and running and it was a pretty incredible pretty incredible <laughs> it makes me rethink that all my three mile runs that i do right now i should like be eating um i get to eat like donuts and whatnot afterwards but uh, <laughs> i think i gotta save that for a bigger adventure in life <laughs> yeah maybe not on the three mile but you know hey whatever works <laughs> but you uh, you bring up a, a good point 
And the really the main reason why I wrote the book is because, like you said, when she was doing this day to day, I was posting like kind of a, a recap uh, on you know on Facebook and my blog and stuff like that, and. Um, she was reading those every night. Like when we were on the way to the hotel, she would read them every single night that, you know, like what I wrote about what happened the previous day. And so I had to be very, uh, I guess I shouldn't say I had to be, but I, I was very careful to like not put anything in there, whether it was like me thinking, God, this sucks. I'm so bored. Or, you know, Annie's really being a pain in the ass. Like anything that would put a negative thought Mm -hmm. in her head, I had to do everything I could to avoid that because she was going to read it, right? And mm-hmm. and like she was very aware that like what she was doing required a lot of sacrifice from a lot of different people, mm-hmm. but she sure as hell didn't need to be reminded of that like in the moment. And I'm I'm very big on like I want to tell the whole story, and so those blogs were not the whole story because I had to leave so much stuff out about what was happening every day. So the blogs became a like an outline. And then it was, okay, now that the, the event is over and, and all of that, now we can say exactly what happened. Because like, you, like to your point, somebody reads that and they're like, oh, well, you know, I can go out and I can run 1,200 miles like Annie did it. And she was, you know, she was fine and happy the whole time. Like there was no problems. There was no issues. Like, and yeah, anybody can do that, but it sure as hell is not easy. And it takes a lot of, you know, effort, obviously, you know, Captain Obvious, but like it takes a lot of work to make something like that happen. And I wanted to make sure to share that with people so they understood that like you can do big things, but there is a cost to it as well. And and you have to be willing to pay that cost. For sure. And, you know, I think you being able to write about Annie's vulnerability and like the strength to overcome these, whether it was the day at the end of the day, during the run, whatever mm-hmm. it was, was, was absolutely I mean, incredible. And it's super inspiring because, you know, we all go through that, go through that in our lives. And it was really, so Annie has a quote early on in the book. Let me see what day it was. Um, I think you were, okay, day five. Um, And she said, you guys were just talking about like Mm -hmm. why we're here. Is this the right thing? And she's like, I'm here to finish what I started last year, 2017. I'm here to show that you don't have to live on the East Coast or the West Coast to experience amazing trails. Most of all, I'm here to show people that you can do anything that you put your mind to. And it's super powerful and super mm-hmm. simple, but also like, damn, Annie, you just did that. Yeah, like if yeah. I have a goal and I'm going to wuss out, like I need to really think long and hard because I'm capable of more than what I can do. And Annie shows that throughout her entire journey of this. It's incredible. It's just incredible. So I yeah. love that quote. <laughs> yeah, she's I mean that's that's her whole mantra is the things that she does, she wants people to understand that like she's not, you know, so she's not somebody who uh was running long distance her whole life, right? Like she's not somebody that's got, you know, a big fat contract from Hoka or anything like that. Like she's got a job and she's, you know, she works in mental health and like she cooks dinner for, you know, for our family and stuff like that. She's like a quote unquote regular person and she's capable of doing incredible things because she's got the mental tenacity to set a goal and stick with it. And that's all it takes. Yeah. And the support system for the entire thing for you was incredible, but also I want to talk about like the support system for, I mean, 31 runners came and ran with her, which was, Mm -hmm. which was incredible. But man, the power of people and 
most runners know this, the people in the ultra community are just like amazing humans. They're all amazing humans. And <laughs> the positivity and the support. Um, and you saw it throughout, throughout the entire book. I mean, it, I thought it was funny on day one, you ran into a guy who volunteered for the Ice Age Trail that was a yep. previous race director of the Lakefront Marathon. Because like, yep. <laughs> who would have thought like you would have met right, a guy exactly. way up in <laughs> northwestern Wisconsin that was a race director in Milwaukee for the Lakefront Marathon. But just the, like, the people you encountered was incredible. And I feel like you maybe were caught off by surprise, but like random people were showing up that you never met before. Or Annie was friends with somebody and was running and you're like, I don't know if this is going to work today. <laughs> and it, it was like the best thing that happened the day that that person showed up. So like, what was kind of your experience with like the people being involved in everything and how that kind of like played into the whole situation? Yeah, it, it was, it was very, um, it was, it was very strange to like, you know, she, Annie would say, oh, yeah, by the way, like, this was, you know, kind of towards the end, like, oh, you know, so-and-so who I'm friends with on Instagram, but I've never met in real life, uh, <laughs> you know, like, he wants to come in and run with us when we do the Southern Kettles. And it's like, okay, you know, like, I I, I guess, like, as you know, <laughs> like, what are you going to say to that, right? Like, if somebody's willing to come out and run, you know, and then, of course, like, that guy ends up being, you know, A, the guy who drags Annie through, like, a 75-mile day, goes home for three days, comes back, does another 75 miles, you know, like the last 75 miles with her, ran, you know, 150 miles in four days, basically, um, with, you know, two days off, and, you know, becomes like one of her, you know, closest friends and somebody that we love running with and all that kind of stuff. Um, so really, there, there was just kind of a lot of, of trust involved. And, you know, again, just that kind of hope that, like, if somebody is reaching out to you and says, you know, hey, I see what you're doing and I would like to be a part of it, as long as, you know, like I could get in contact with them and tell them, like, you're welcome to come, but like, here's kind of what you have to be prepared for. It's about her. It's not about you. It's not about, you know, what time you have to get home. It's not about any of that. So like, if you've got a hard stop or something like that, you need to be aware of that and you need to, you know, kind of plan for that. And as long as you're on board with like giving up a day or two days or three days or whatever, specifically to help her out, come on, you know, and we didn't have any problems or there, there was one person who like in advance had signed up to run two days with Annie. Um, and at the last minute that person like canceled on the first day, but you know, I'll be there the second day and then ended up canceling on the second day as mm -hmm. well. Um, you know, but other than that, it, it was it, like there were no issues. Um, like you said, there were a couple that had me sketched out a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 hard to think about. But like you, you know, you had mentioned, um, you know, when when Corey Woltering, uh, you know, did did the Ice Age Trail earlier this year. It's hard to to see how much social media has changed just in the two years. Right. Because like. When when Annie did it, like there wasn't like the Ice Age Trail Facebook group, there mm -hmm. wasn't as much like engagement as there was, and and it doesn't seem like it, right? Because you think like two, you know, twenty eighteen is not that long ago, it shouldn't have changed that much. But if you look at like kind of the usage profiles and things like that, like it's still like an exponential curve, um, and and so we certainly didn't have the like, you know, if you saw pictures from when Corey was doing it, we're like 
God, especially around here, you know, every time he he got to a place where he was going to stop, there was forty people there. Mm-hmm. That would have been incredibly overwhelming, and I neither one of us would have really wanted anything <laughs> to do with that. <laughs> but like one person who shows up at the starting spot in the morning and then runs all day, and then I just got to take him back to their car, car after we drop Annie off at the hotel. Like that was perfect. It worked really well. That's that's social media things interesting, but that's like so true. I mean, it was like yeah. two three years ago, I guess, but like it has evolved a lot. And even a ton, just the attention yeah. in that scene, I mean, running trails, running the ice age trail, it's like a very specific thing. And you brought that up throughout the book, how you saw other people living their daily life in parallel with like what you guys were going through. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, how are you guys just eating your ice cream? It was a football game towards the end of it. You're like, you yeah. know, everyone in this town is just doing this football game. And Annie's like, this is it. I'm running through the night and we're going right, to get, we're going for we're it. getting yeah. to the terminus. And it was like, it, it's just like kind of crazy you saying that, but it, the one interesting with Corey, when we had him on the show and it, the quote I just read about Annie, it was like, Hey, trail running is so East coast and West coast, but the Midwest is great. And we have things mm-hmm. in our backyard here. And they both kind of carried that message through. Um, which I thought was, was this is cool because being we're all here local right, runners, right. I, think, I think it's incredible. <laughs> so it's cool, like what runners like them, what their influence are like pushing for to show, like, hey, the the power and the coolness or whatever it is of, yeah, of our yeah. area, and that's that's awesome. So I love that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I I you know obviously not being the the person running, but being the person who is describing it. And I know I I talked about this a couple different times uh, in the book, but I really want to I wanted to help bring attention to the Ice Age Trail because especially up in the northern sections, you know, for something that's completely volunteer maintained. You know, you're talking about you get into, you know, Langlade County and Lincoln County and stuff like that, where they've got 50, 60 miles of trail and they've got less than 10 people that are involved in like the the volunteer organization. Right. Mm -hmm. And most of those are, you know, retirees and stuff like that. Like that is not a recipe for long term success. And, you know, we've got to get more people involved with, you know, whether it's Ice Age Trail or North Country Trail, you know, you name it, right? Like with a lot of these trails, I think a lot of people our age and our age group, you know, well, we've got what, you know, we've got kids and families and jobs and all that other kind of stuff and all that volunteer stuff kind of gets pushed aside a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to to highlight the fact that like these these trails need help and they need help from guys like us that can swing chainsaws and, you know, work a 12 hour day and not have to worry about, you know, taking our heart medication and stuff like that. And I don't mean that like, like to be derogatory, but mm-hmm. it's the truth, you know, like the, one of the the chapter directors up there even said, like, we've got six guys and four of them have heart conditions, you know, like, yeah, and they've got 60 miles of trail to maintain. Like that's not going to work. And so, yeah, I mean, I really wanted to to make sure that people understand that the Ice Age is much more than that stretch from Devil's Lake to uh, uh, Door County. You know, there's a whole lot more of it that needs help. And and we all need to do our best to, you know, pick a weekend and go up there and, and you know, move some trees around or whatever you can do. Um, it makes a difference. It really does. Yeah, that's that's one thing I, I think I like thought about in the back of my mind during this was like how much work goes into keeping the trails up and and you know you guys attempted in 2017 and 
the flooding and the tornadoes and the yeah. storms and you don't realize like you said like you know there's so many people around here that when i go to the trails i just ex- i guess i just expect them to be yeah. clear unfortunately that's my thought process and like that's not the case everywhere so yeah i think you know being runners and getting involved with the trail and you know things that we participate in is a great idea so i'm all about that and i think that's that was great that you you were able to kind of talk about that in the book and bring it bring it to light yeah. um you know, speaking of, of stories and people you had, I thought there was one story that just talking about like selflessness of someone was mm-hmm. Andrea um, and the necklace story. Yeah. I, I thought it was an incredible story. If you, I don't want to butcher it. Do you mind telling it? <laughs> Do you mind telling it? I think it's incredible. Yeah. So um, Andrea, hopefully she doesn't mind if I give her full name, Andrea Poulton, um, who is, you know, a Milwaukee runner. She's done, you know, all kinds of ultras and and all that kind of stuff. Um, She was somebody who we knew kind of... uh, vaguely, you know, like, oh, we've done a, you know, a run at Lapham together once upon a time or whatever. Um, but when Annie, you know, put out that she was going to do it again, uh, Andrea said, I would like to do a couple of days with you. Um, and, and so she, you know, was going to do, I don't remember the days at this point, but she was going to do like a, you know, a Monday and a Tuesday with us mm-hmm. or whatever the case was. And, you know, by the end of like that, the first morning we picked her up, and uh, we were driving out to the trailhead and she's like, I had never met her in person and Annie knew her a little bit, but like super quiet and like didn't say a word the whole time. And I was like, oh, she, and she's going to be with us for two days. Like <laughs> what the, you know, this is going to be rough, you know? <laughs> and so they get started off and, and, you know, I go whatever, five, six miles ahead and I'm parked and like, I can hear them coming through the woods, like laughing and talking. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever the silence was this morning, like they're over that now. And, and so Andrea ended up staying with us longer than she planned on. But the, the day that she had to leave, um, she was carrying a necklace, uh, that belonged to a friend of hers who had, um, passed away from breast cancer. And so uh, it's a very, uh, I guess, widely shared photo. It's one that Annie shares a lot. Um, it's a picture of Andrea putting the necklace around Annie's neck when she was leaving. And there's just a little medallion on it that says, make it happen. And, and that kind of became the mantra for the, like, kind of the second half. That was down in Janesville. Um, so, you're, you know, uh, we had, whatever, 400 miles left. Um, but it was kind of, you know, once you hit Janesville, it's like you're heading back north and like, that's it. You know, you're in kind of the home stretch. And so that became Annie's thought uh, was just that that phrase of make it happen. Um, and yeah, it, it was a, an incredibly uh, unexpected and touching, you know, moment that that Andrea had kind of planned, uh, you know, with that necklace. And, and uh, it really, um, really hit home again, you know, like what you can do uh, when you put your mind to it. Yeah, that was incredibly strong when I read it. I mean, it was her friend who passed away from breast cancer, like gave it to her and she turned around and was like, Hey Annie, like you're to finish this. It's going to take a lot. And I know, so like, here, have this, like, that's that's so cool. I love that story. That was like insane. And then, (laughs) and then on top of it, and I, hopefully I don't get this wrong, but did Andrea take your laundry and then deliver it back to you? 
She did. Yeah. Man, yep, what a that's... woman. What a woman, Andrea. <laughs> Shout and, out. And uh, anybody who has uh, been involved in a multi-day uh, running adventure knows that this is not like your garden variety laundry, right? Like this is <laughs> toxic stuff. <laughs> and she didn't bat an eyelash. And like she brought it back the next day when we were um, out by Scuppernong. And uh, yeah, you know, it was like freshly folded and everything. I'm like, man, this is like, how do you go wrong with this? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a great story. So... There's a lot about vulnerability. You, Mm -hmm. I know Alex mentioned uh, that word earlier uh, from Annie's side, but what impressed me and what right away got my attention is that on page one of your book, uh, this is not even this is like in the prologue. Mm -hmm. uh, You say the following. I'm just going to read it directly. What I what I needed was something to focus on, a reason to push myself every day. I loved these little nice easy runs with Annie. We'd spend an hour or two on the trail enjoying each other and enjoying nature. I loved them, but they weren't exciting. They weren't a challenge. That that lack of challenge permeated my daily life, and I often found myself with low-grade depression and feelings of listlessness and inadequacy. Page one. This is a male writer. <laughs> this is not a typical thing for um, you know somebody to admit you know that part of themselves. Uh, I appreciate it greatly. Uh, we with Alex, we talk about that new push uh, in in our world. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of people that are trying to hide their emotions, but there's a lot of people on uh, both mm-hmm. sides of, of you know of all sexes and orientations to be more open about their feelings and this resonates with me quite a bit so i'm gonna scratch my own itch a little bit with um, <laughs> this low-grade uh, depression that you mentioned uh, that that stems from um, basically being a little bit hard on myself and that's what i've seen mm-hmm. is that i try to find these challenges uh to continuously make myself say hey good job you're doing well uh and yeah. i tend to not be okay with the routine like we've had many guests on the podcast they run three miles a day four miles mm-hmm. a day and that's all they do they don't race they don't yep. and they're okay with that and mm-hmm. i envy that but then i but i cannot escape this predicament i'm in so it's been one year now it's been two years since annie ran this Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been one year since you released the book, pretty much, right? 2019. Yep. Has anything changed? And are there any lessons learned <laughs> that that um, you can impart? But but judging from the fact that you ran 20 marathons, probably not, or maybe <laughs> maybe that taught you something. Well, you know, so the the, the first of all, I'm I'm, I'm glad that you uh, that you appreciated that. Um, like I said earlier, I'm I'm very big on authenticity and. Um, you know, that's real life, right? Like we can do cool things and we can have fun, but you can still at the end of the day, like kind of look around and go, this, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I signed up for, you know? And that's really where I was struggling at the time. And it really didn't have a lot to do with running. Um, it it was a a bad, uh, job situation that I was in where it was, you know, I mean, like I've, I've always kind of been like a corporate guy. Um, and 
I, <laughs> I've never really been happy being a corporate guy, I guess. But at the time, you know, you, you get sucked into a job and you really dislike it and, and they're, you're not getting anything other than a paycheck from it. And you're, you, you become so in tune with like that habit, like you said, of like, I go to work and, and like, I, I was working downtown at the time and, you know, like I, I would, I parked over by the Italian community center, um, you know, by the Summerfest grounds. And it was, I mean, it was like, like something you'd see in a movie, right? Like I would pull into a parking spot and I would shut the car off and you take like two or three just deep breaths of like, shit, here we go again. And then, you know, it's like the walk from there into the building. It's like the whole time you're just thinking like, I hate this, but I'm too scared to do anything about it. You know, because like, God, what, you know, if I don't have a job, like, what am I going to do? What, you know, how's that going to work? And again, it was Annie who, you know, through doing this Ice Age Trail thing, when when she did it in 2017, I was at the same job and I was able to get like an unpaid leave to be gone for the three weeks. Mm-hmm. And that was like pulling teeth, right? Like I had to talk to everybody under the sun to, to, to not show up to work for three weeks, not get paid, you know, but like I just wasn't going to be there. And even that was was problematic. And so when it didn't work, you know, I came back to work early and then a year later we're doing it again. You know, my bosses were like, no, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to do this this time. You know, like we, we can't approve this unpaid leave. And, you know, and it's like you, again, you sit and think about like, and I'm pretty sure I said it in the book at one point, and I know I've said it online many times, like we as, as, as a society, especially in America, kill ourselves for these jobs, right? And if I died tomorrow, the job is posted on Friday. You know what I mean? Like I give everything to this company and if I leave, you're just immediately replaced and they don't care less. And, and this isn't, you know, like some sort of a rant on like corporate America or anything like that. I just became very aware of how unhappy I was in a daily, you know, in my day-to-day life. And it started to bleed through into running and stuff like that. And I had spent a couple of years chasing the the BQ to get to Boston. And, you know, in in uh, in late in 2017, I was able to get that. So then I, there was this period, right, where, like, I'm unhappy at work. I didn't have, like, a new running goal because Boston, like, April 2018 was, like, far away. And, you know, so, like, you had spent – I had spent so much time focused on this one thing and then that was gone. And then, like I said, you're unhappy with work. And it's like, God, what the hell am I doing? And that was when Annie came along and was like, how about instead of like trying to get a leave and all this other kind of stuff, you just quit the job because you hate it. It's making you miserable. Everything will work out. And that's like when it comes to like jobs and stuff like that, I've never met anybody who has the attitude that she has of just, if you don't like it, let it go and something else will come along. Like you're not going to end up homeless under the bridge, you know, panhandling for money. Something else will come along. And I share the story in the book that like my last day at that job, you know, like I had nothing lined up. We were going to go to Europe for a week uh, to do some exploring. And then she was going to do the ice age. And then like October 1st, I'm going to see if I can find a new job for the, you know, for the rest of the year. And my last day at that job, um, I got a Facebook message from a guy I hadn't spoken to in like four years and it was somebody I had worked with, you know, in a previous job. And he was like, Hey, I've got this opening and I think you'd be great for it. 
And, you know, how happy are you at work? And I'm like, well, it's funny you've mentioned that because I actually, today's my last day and I don't have anything else lined up because I quit because I hate it that much and I don't care if I don't have a job. And he was like, oh, so it sounds like we need to talk. And so, you know, we did a, a quick phone interview and I explained to him what was going on. It's like, it's August and I can't start until October. And he's like, that's fine. The job's been open for four months anyway. What's another month? And uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, two and a half years later, I'm still it, at that job and it's a much better situation. And it's, and it is, it's amazing. Every time I listen to Annie, good stuff happens. And every time I don't listen to her, bad stuff happens. <laughs> um, so that's <laughs> one of my takeaways, but um yeah, to uh, Apostoli, to your point specifically, um, it really just was a, a lesson in, you know, letting go of things that you don't like. And, you know, like I, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I, I stopped going on Twitter um, because every time I opened it, I got pissed off. And again, you know, here's Annie sitting on the couch and I'm like ranting about some stupid tweet that was probably, you know, posted by a bot in, you know, Pakistan or something like that that wasn't even a real person. I'm like, God, why do people think this way? I don't understand it. And she's like, every time you do this, you get angry. What are you getting out of this? Stop doing it. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess I can do that, you know, <laughs> and like and I haven't been on, on since. And it's like, oh. Again, it just works. So if you've got things in your life that are pissing you off or making you unhappy, stop doing them. It's that easy. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I'm, I first, I've been off Twitter for like four years and yep. I don't regret it ever, ever. Yep. It's great. It's great. <laughs> but no, what you were saying, I mean, I've gone through the same thing through work and have had those conversations you've said in my yeah. head too. And I yeah. think a lot of people may have, and it's, it sucks. Cause you can really get down of like, what is, what is going on? I'm doing this every day. It's taking up all of my time. I'm yep. not happy. And the minute I leave the job's posted and someone else is doing it yep. and it's fine. Yeah. And it's crazy. And I've struggled with that. And so I, I totally can relate to that. And like you hearing it and saying it out loud is like, it gets me excited knowing that yep. like, yeah, Hey, we can talk <laughs> about these things. It's okay. Right. Yeah. But B know that like, I'm not in the, I'm not by myself. Other people have these same feelings, whether it's towards work or something else they don't want to do. Yep. And quitting's the hard, like, quitting is the hardest thing, right? Quitting yeah. is the hardest thing, especially when it's like you start, when you want to quit something, there's so many reasons. Well, if I quit, then th I can't do this and this, and right. this, and it's right. like, you know, you do have to be responsible and think through those things. Like, yes. Yeah. Can I quit my job? Can I have some time off? Am I allowed to, you know what I mean? Do I have right, right. enough disposable <laughs> income to do this? Like you think through right. all that and be responsible. We're adults. But at the end of the day, man, like you said it, you said it, let it go and get mm -hmm. it out of your life because you will be so much happier. And the one thing like I've been like learning myself like this year, um, doing a lot more journaling, which is like help yep. open this up is just like, dude, this is it. This is it. Like mm -hmm. today is today. And if you don't do it, like, so how many times do I get in the cycle of like, well, we'll just do it tomorrow and we'll do it tomorrow. It's like, right. well, you, you're going to be 50. And then that's like, you're getting yep. old, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. just to anyone who's 50 right now, but I'm only 30. So I got 20 right. years for there. But like, I, and it just, so I appreciate that you said this and I yeah. think it, I can take a lot away from this and I hope everyone listening to Ken as well. Um, I do want to bring this back what you're saying here about hating your work. Cause you talk about it th 
throughout the book. And like yeah. the, it was clearly a big part of your life of you were leaving yeah. work and you were out here and experiencing this. And there was many times it's Wisconsin. We know is beautiful. And those fall mm-hmm. sunsets and sunrises yep. are just amazing. So right here, and this is kind of long and I'm not good at reading. So hopefully I don't mess any words up, <laughs> but this was day. Uh, this was day nine. So still pretty early in the journey. Yep. This is when Jason was running with Annie and you guys were parked at the Highland Lakes Western segment. You ended mm-hmm. there the night before yep. and they were taking off this morning. And you said, as I stood again in front of the lake, just as I had 12 hours earlier, I had admired it. In the early morning dawn, there was no fishermen. So the lake was smooth as glass, reflecting the trees in the sky in a perfect mirror image. I I became aware in that moment that every single day thus far had featured at least one moment like this, a moment so beautiful, so peaceful and serene, and it took my breath away. Wisconsin does not have the soaring mountains with tons of vert (laughs) that trail runners, that's for vertical elevation change, but it is a truly beautiful place, especially as one gets further removed from the urban areas. The Ice Age Trail does an incredible job of highlighting these remote areas, and I'm so lucky to be standing in that spot that morning. A, Wisconsin is beautiful, people. It is. So let's take that. But B, you quitting your job and doing this allowed you to stand at that spot and feel the feeling that you were. So I think that was a great way to wrap it up. Brian, (laughs) you're an incredible dude. I'm glad we could finally make this happen. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. But before we go, we have to do our Cream City Pacers rapid fire questions. All right. Are you ready for these? I am. (laughs) Okay. Um, This is going to be a two-parter, but what's your favorite route to run in Milwaukee? Uh, my favorite route to run um, is uh, Menominee River Parkway um, because that's basically where I do all of my runs um, and like during <laughs> nice. the week. Um, we're we're about a mile, mile and a half from like the, kind of the Tosa area of the of the parkway, and so if you go and look at my Strava, you'll see a very distinct repeating pattern every single day of <laughs> of the of the parkway um sometimes i get bored with it but like in the big scheme of things to have that parkway uh you know i was on there this afternoon it was already plowed and salted like smooth sailing you can't go wrong with it i love it and then what though you didn't run every segment what was your favorite <laughs> part of that you ran of the ice age trail um there there's a like a 40 to 50 mile stretch, um, uh, way up North. Uh, the segments are Lake 11, uh, and Jerry Lake. Those are the, the, the two segments. Um, and it's some of the most incredible, difficult, remote running that you can get in Wisconsin, in my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, this is like stuff where, you know, people joke, uh, like when she went through there in 2018, it was like, Oh, nobody's been here since you were here last year. You know, it's that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's hard and it's a, a challenge and you're, it's, you know, it's one of those things. There's no bailout, right? Like you get in there and you're in there for four or five or six hours and there's no way to get out and you just push through to the other side. Um, Jerry Lake, Lake 11. Look him up if you're into the Ice Age Trail up north. Um, you won't regret it. Sweet. Okay, if you could bring one person to Milwaukee to run with you, who would it be? Oh, God. Um, dead, dead or alive. It can be dead or alive. I feel like I'm going to start saying that now. Dead or alive. 
Let's see. One person that I could run with, um, you know, off the top of my head, um, I uh, and, and maybe it's just because of, of what's happening, you know, in, in the news right now when we're recording this. Um, I think spending an hour or two with uh, with Bar- with Barack Obama out on a run hmm. would be pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, like just to hear him talk and like, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. That that's uh, top of mind. That's the one that came first, so that's what I'll go with. I like it. I like it. Okay. I think I think we're getting enough votes. Uh, I think you're the third third or fourth person. Oh, this really? Is Obama. <laughs> so if we get enough uh, past guests, we'll, we'll get him here. We'll yep. run with him. <laughs> Group so, run. <laughs> some people need a petition. We just say Obama. You've been mentioned on this podcast yeah. six times. <laughs> exactly. Get up here. <laughs> get get out here. <laughs> Come to the Northwoods. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite pre-race pump-up song? I'm, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit ago, you're 30, I'm, I'm 40. Um, so I, I, I tend to skew a little bit more towards like the, like Metallica, Motley Crue, like, and again, you know, I, we talked earlier about Matt Thal, uh, you know, ACDC, like he and I are on the same wavelength with that kind of stuff. Like you got to have like just the loud pumping rock music and that's, that's all it takes. We love it, but you got to pick yep. one. You got to pick one. Oh, okay. One, one, one that um, sticks out out of all those. Uh, let's see, probably Master of Puppets by Metallica. Nice. I like it. Yep. Okay. Abasil, you want to take the next couple? To other, than your, other than your book, are there any books that you would recommend? Any running books? Yeah, so let, me, let me look over at my, uh, <laughs> my shelf here that's right next to me. Um... God, I got a lot of guidebooks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one of the one of the books that I read just recently. Uh, it's not running related or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, she's she's very kind of in the news lately as well. Brene Brown, uh, the gift of imperfection, um, kind of talks a lot about you know Apostoli, what you were talking about with that like feeling of of always needing to go to the next level and you know the the way you feel you set a goal you don't reach it and you're kind of like god am i a loser because i didn't qualify for boston for the fourth time or, you know that kind of stuff um she talks a lot about like that goal setting for yourself and then more specifically dealing with uh you know the things that don't go how you want them to and how that you're you're okay right like if you set a goal and you don't get it like it's okay and you try again uh so i would say that I, one a gift of imperfection nice i love it and um uh, steven lease who was on our podcast about a month and a half yeah. ago he's the ceo and founder of uh gooder sunglasses he also talks a yep. lot about um her and they use a lot yeah. of her books in guiding their company and creating a better culture. So gifts of imperfection, we'll be looking it up. Um, Any (laughs) gear, what is your favorite gear? Uh, Like favorite piece of gear for running? I, um, (laughs) my favorite piece of gear is a little Debbie fudge rounds, (laughs) snack cakes. (laughs) I don't know if that's gear, but (laughs) I don't do many runs without at least one of those in my pocket. Um, But for, for strictly for gear, um, I am I'm a big uh, headphones guy. 
Um, and so I, I will not run with anything other than Bose, um, headphones. Um, I am, I don't know. I like Annie can, can vouch for this. Like when they don't fit right or the sound, they sound crappy. Like I will not do it. Um, so I got to have my Bose headphones. Nice. nice. Which ones are they specifically? Are they the, are they in ear around? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> It it takes a it takes a it takes a really high level of confidence to go with the over ear like Beats by Dre on like a thirty mile trail run. <laughs> but uh, no, I I just do the the in ear uh, wireless um, uh, you know Bose Sport. I think they're called. That would be right. insane if Annie would have done like the entire Ice Age Trail wearing like the Beats over the ear headphones. <laughs> and, like, Maybe we can sponsored. see if we can get her to do that on her next adventure. <laughs> that's super funny. Actually. Uh, actually, shout out to my to my wife Maria who got me these Apple uh, AirPods because oh, yeah. she saw me going out for a run with my Sony. Uh, actually, these ones I can show you, but I've been <laughs> wearing these huge headphones. She said, "You know, you, you need to scale down, a little bit. <laughs> jump on the AirPod train was, for sure." That was just for three or four mile runs. Um, yep. One piece of advice you would give to new runners for a final question. Um, well, we, I think we talked about it a lot, but the thing that I always come back to is that, you know, you do not need to be like a naturally gifted, uh, super athlete in order to do big things. And, you know, anybody who's listened to this podcast or listened to just about any other running podcast, I mean, you know, we talked about like the 20 marathons in 2020, right? And I'm very aware of the fact that like in the big scheme of like running, that's not that's not anything out of the ordinary, right? Like in our running world to do 20, 26 mile runs in the span of a year is not a big deal. And I, I've, I've referenced this before, you know, there was one of those runs I did, a guy ran it with me, went in his, uh, got in his car, drove an hour and ran three more hours after he was done running a marathon with me. You know what I mean? So like if you have something that you want to do, you can do it. And you, do, you know, you don't look at yourself like, you know, oh, well, you know, look at, look at Brian or look at Annie or look at Alex or, you know, these guys are like athletes. Like, dude, I work in freaking finance. Like I'm 40 <laughs> years old and like, you know, like I'm a freaking nobody, you know? <laughs> so like find what you, find what you want to do and then put everything you have into it and you can do it. Don't limit yourself. I, and- I have to read this quote. This is a quote from Jim Collins and Tim Ferriss uh, in, in one of their discussions. Amazing podcast, by the way. I keep, I've re-listened to this about six times. It's on constant repeat because there's so many lessons to take away. But he says that the primary sin of modern life is comparison. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it, it sounds a lot like what you... Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. You know... Yeah. Look at all the, all the comparisons that we do with, again, you know, social media and stuff like that. And oh, look at what Alex is doing and, you know, God, how come I'm not doing anything cool like that? But again, that's why you got to tell the whole story, you know? And if I can say like, yeah, I did these things, but like, I was also scared shitless the whole time I was doing it. Like that makes it real. And, you know, and that's how you can get past that comparison stuff. Like tell the damn truth and uh, if you're going to do something that, you know, people are going to emulate, you got to give both sides of the story. And maybe you can't do it right away, but you got to tell the whole truth. 
Exactly. And I like what you just said there as well. Like, it's going to be scary. It's going to hurt. It's going to be frightening. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a combination of all of them. And you'll yeah. realize that once you start doing that, that that is a rush and a thrill. And yep. you'll actually enjoy that. And that will make you want to keep going. And I feel like that's a reason for successful people is because they enjoy that, figure it out, yep. find that, and then you keep, you keep going it. So, like, don't let fear stop you. You guys yep. can rock it. Absolutely. Ryan, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Hopefully we thank can you. join you for one one of your marathons here in 2021. Yeah, let's do one this weekend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Do you have do you ever feel the pressure Alex that that we have to end these interviews quickly because it just felt like we could have kept going and going with uh with Brian. Oh. It felt so natural. When I looked at the time I said what it was an hour and 15 minutes. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, Brian's amazing. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the episode. That was a great time talking to you. And we could have talked about, I have notes here, and we only covered like half of our notes, of my notes, I should say. So there's a lot of things I'd love to probably. Round two. Round two. Round two. Maybe, uh, maybe we can get Annie to do the Ice Age Trail again with her Bose headphones on over the ear Bose headphones and then we can uh, maybe join her for one of her segments Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's do it get the title back get the title title. back it's incredible both of them what they did that's it's incredible you guys are inspiring to us and uh every day when i'm on this streak i just remember that annie did way more miles way harder miles and she kicked butt so annie you inspire me to keep going so what do you say what do you say i'm uh i'd like to say a couple things before we wrap up here first Mm -hmm. head over to performancerunning.com and score those new shoes that we were talking about talking about with jess because those were incredible i was looking at those um before we brought Brian on, man, those Nikes, Nikes just look so good. They're designed, they'll, beautiful shoe, beautiful. They do that right. I love the looks. I just bought the trail shoes from Nike, like the wild horses. They look like the shoe uh, the Ninja Turtles would wear. <laughs> uh, yes, that's a good one. So if you want to have super dope Leonardo shoes like I do, head over to performancerunning.com and use CCP10 at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. And while you're at, while we're at it, after you're done purchasing those shoes, head over to our Facebook page at Cream City Pacers and our Instagram page at Cream City Pacers and give us a follow and like our post because we greatly appreciate that. We love when you throw us a little bit of love. Yes, and also uh, to give a little bit of love to Alex, go to creamcitypacers.com slash newsletter and sign up for our newsletter. He puts a lot of thought and effort into this. Maybe not effort. It's pretty effortless. He's that good at it. Ooh. So I think you should all go Ooh. and check it out, get the, the updates about our uh, running news in the city. Not much right now with COVID, but of course updates about um, from from our past listeners, past guests, and um, lots of cool pictures. And send us your pictures. We want to feature your photos from your run. Send us your photos. Send us a story from your run. We want to include that because we want to make this a community and you are part of it. So share your stories, share your photos, and we will share them in our newsletter. That's it. That's it. You guys are awesome. Until next Friday, 
keep on running.